Welcome to Free Speech, and here's your host, Ray Smith. Hello, I'm Ray. Topic for today is about the black race. From the very first day they set foot in the United States until now, the year 2020. Black people first entered the United States in the year 1619, not by their choice, but by the hands of others as slaves. There were about 20 men landed in Virginia. The United States declared its independence on July 4, 1776. I don't feel that slave was free until the 13th Amendment in 1865 which abolished slavery. Even then, was the African-American race truly a free race after that day? Free of racism and discrimination? My answer is no. Black people today is still struggling with racism and discrimination. You hear about or know about Black Wall Street? It's not. Let me give you a little uh, briefing on uh, the Black Wall Street. Tulsa was a highly segregated city with about 10,000 blacks in a neighborhood called Greenwood, including a thriving business district called Black Wall Street. It was the wealthiest black community in the United States. It was destroyed by angry white mob from here and ground with small plane. It all started when a white lady claimed a black boy assaulted her. She was 17 years old, a white American girl named Sarah Page. The 19-year-old male was Dick Rowland, was mistaken for a sexual assault, making her an indirect impetus of the Tulsa Race Massacre. Before the killing of George Floyd, hundreds of black people killed by the hands of police and they never been charged or faced charges. When George Floyd died, it opened the eyes of more black people, along with some of the white race. They marched together and they shout, no justice, no peace. This really becomes a global issue all over the world. The George Floyd killing draw more people's attention than any other killing by the police. Police is accused of using too much force against black people. Then there's a movement called Black Lives Matter. Let's look how the Black Lives Matter started and when. Black Lives Matter movement started in the year 2013. Black Lives Matter began as a call to action in response to state-sanctioned violence and anti-black racism. From the very beginning was to connect black people from all over the world who have shared desire for justice to act together in their communities. The impetus for the commitment was and still is a rampant and deliberate violence inflicted on black race. 
the death of Tra- Trayvon Martin and the subsequent acquittal, acquittal of his killer, George Zimmerman, and inspired by the 31 day takeover of the Florida State Capitol by Power U and the Dream Defenders. It took the street a year later, Black Lives Matter Freedom Ride to Ferguson in search of justice for Mike Brown. And all of those who have been torn apart by the state-sanctioned violence and anti-black racism forever change. Black Lives Matter, yes, Ferguson helped to catalyze a movement which to help give life to organizations who call this network home of ousted anti-black politician, one critical legislation to benefit black lives and change the terms to debate on blackness around the world. Throughout movement and relationship help catalyze other movements and shifted culture with an eye toward the dangerous impact upon the blackness. Let's bring someone into this conversation right here. I have someone here going to join me in this conversation on Black Lives Matter. Welcome to Free Speech, Damon. How you feel about the Black Lives Matter movement and everything about Black Lives? Well, I think it is a very important movement, um, one that really is overdue. Um, the biggest thing with it, uh, I think people get uh, crossed up, they look at Black Lives Matter as an organization and try to lump the movement in with the organization. Uh, two different things, uh, Black Lives Matter's movement versus the organization are, are, are two different animals. The, the organization is uh, a group of individuals who uh, decided they're, they're going to take on some tasks that they feel that the, the black community needs and that they're doing some things. Um, of course, nobody agrees or disagrees with everything that, that they do, but on my side, I'm with the movement in the fact of saying that we have to really people do actually matter in this country. We're some of the biggest consumers. So economically we matter. They are always trying to find out when it comes, uh, election time about, uh, the black vote, the black vote matters. So we matter to this nation in so many ways. There's so many things that we have created so many inventions. So we matter. So there's no reason why, we should be able to be the ones who are disproportionately killed uh, by police officers. So that's that's my thing with, with the Black Lives Matter movement is we just want uh, justice and equality. If uh, a white individual is killed by the policeman, generally that's going to be looked into, it's going to be reviewed, it's going to be looked uh, deeper into uh, than when it happens with a black person. We, are, we have been uh, cast in this play called life as basically animals or, or people that are, are career criminals. Just because I have black skin, I'm looked at as a criminal first. And that's not the way this should be. So that my, my take on this thing is that when you continue to post and show uh, and you give a narrative that black people commit basically all the crime, and, uh, you talk about black on black crime, but then you talk about other crimes that black people are committing, then that 
opens the door for justification for the killing of unarmed black people. Because when a policeman says, I feared for my life, which if we look at that, that's the, that is like the general statement. Anytime uh, some, I feared for my life, that's the first thing that comes out. If we look at all the videos, uh, they're always fearing for their life. There, there was a, a possibility that this could happen. Well, that happens with any traffic stop. Anytime a policeman stops an individual, whether black, white, green, or purple, you have that same possibility. But for some reason, the awareness is heightened with black people. And that reason is because we have been portrayed in a manner that says that, hey, if you stop them, they're liable to have a gun. They're liable to do something. And all of us are going to do that. I, I was pulled over just a few uh, a few weeks ago, and my, my my children were in the car. And as soon as I got pulled over and the policeman came, hey, look, my hands are in plain sight. He asked for my driver's license, and he asked for registration. And I'm like, hey, look, I'm, I'm reaching for this. I kept everything visible. I kept trying to tell him, look, I, I'm, this is what I'm doing. Is it okay if I do it? Because, I, and honestly, I've always been one that, that um, try to respect the authority with the policeman. But also now I find myself in a situation where I have to pay even more attention to what I'm doing because I don't know what policeman I'm going to get. Everybody always talks about the good police versus the bad police. And I and do not say that all policemen are bad. I, agree I know with some you, very uh, good police. Hey, Damien, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. When you talk earlier and you was mentioning about, you know, like when it comes to time of voting, like for the presidential election, they want to use the black Mm -hmm. people to come out and support them. But after that, then it's over. And when you talk about getting stopped by the police, you got to give them respect. You understand me? They got Mm -hmm. a power and they can do anything to you and get away with it. And like you say, I do the same thing like you. If I get pulled over by a cop, the first thing I do, I put my hands on the steering wheel he come up to me, he talked to me nice, I talked to him nice, he asked me for registration, insurance, I let him know exactly what I'm going to do. My license is in my pocket, can I reach for it? My insurance huh? registration in the glove compartment, can I reach for it? And I follow his instruction. And that, you know, sometimes I travel with a concealed weapon, which I have a permit for. I let him know right away, I got a concealed weapon and a permit. And I leave that exactly. up to them. And most of the time when I say that to them, they say, okay, go ahead. So you can continue. Um, let me hear, you know, when you talk about, you know, these shooting and these killings, a lot of black folks or a lot of people have no weapons. I see people put their hands up and the way they treat them, they throw them to the ground and all these things before they uncuff them, beat them. That is not right. That is not right. You know, look at... Um, Look at Brian at Taylor. What do you got to say about that? Do you know much about that? Yeah, I've been I've been following it, and and I, as I as I looked into that, I I I I see you know Intel was a, bad. Intel was the first uh, thing on this on Breonna Taylor situation. Bad Intel on the police department side. Uh, everything was was kind of that. That's what started. Just to say it from there. Now at this point, when you look at what took place from the the shooting. Uh, you know, put yourself in a boyfriend situation. You lay in the bed, somebody busts in the door. You got a, a gun that is registered that you have legally. You're going to grab that. That's the first thing that you're going to do and start shooting. Okay. Uh, obviously, as an officer, you're probably going to shoot back as well. 
But the thing is, is that the police department has to recognize that you are liable for this situation because it was the duty was on you to be in the correct place to be trying to arrest the correct person. You went into the wrong place. So you, you're liable for the death of this young woman. You know and it's more than just. The, mm-hmm. You know what I don't like about this situation? Go ahead. What I don't like What's about that? this one. No, they have what they call no knock warrant. That is what they say. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about what they're saying. Now, a lot of people get killed for this no-knock warrant. Like this boyfriend yes. in the room now. He said he was asleep. Sometimes you're asleep, man. You don't know if somebody knocking your door, you know, slightly. But when you hear a big blast, mm-hmm. that might shake you up out of the bed. Now, exactly. when they fire all those shots and kill Brian or Taylor, I'm not saying they're supposed to take a life. But the way I look at it, why not shoot the man with a gun if they're going to shoot somebody, they shoot somebody without a weapon. I'm not saying they're supposed to shoot the guy and kill him, but I'm just saying, because the, say, the law is, if you have a, a weapon and you have a problem with a person and they want to take your life, you have all right to defend your life by shooting at them. But if you shoot exactly. and you miss and you hit someone else and kill them, you're going to be charged for murder for that other person. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that is what I'm looking at. The district attorney, he did not present anything on Brian Taylor to the grand jury. Now the grand jury nope. want to come out and talk about it, but they're trying to hold him back from not saying anything. Okay, continue mm-hmm. with what he was yeah. saying now, bro. Well, what, what you find there, and you made a great point with the fact of uh, the person that did the shooting didn't get harmed. It was an innocent bystander. What that lets us know in that uh, scenario is the fact that the police who are supposed to be strategically trained, they should have a, a strategy on their entry and what's going to take place in here. So that lets you know that there were some random shots being fired. Uh, so it wasn't strategic as a trained officer should be. So first of all, that says that there needs to be some more training on these officers. Uh, from my understanding, the no-not warrants uh, uh, have been uh, outlawed at this point. So, uh, in, in that area. So that's a great, that's one move that's taken place, but because your strategy that you would have put forth, you obviously did not use that makes you liable for her death and liable more than just for a $12 million lawsuit. That means that those people who were supposed to be trained, who went in, uh, recklessly just firing uh, shots, they are liable for the death of this young lady, uh, for the district attorney, shame on you for first off, even trying to hide so much stuff that you guys have tried to hide. You tried to, you tried to smear the name of this young lady and try to put, uh, connect her, uh, so deeply in, in with the ex-boyfriend and, and the drugs. So, and that's the other thing that they do uh, on all of the victims in these things. They try to find dirt to try to smear the name of the victim and try to show a case that shows that the, the murderer is innocent and that they were justified in shooting because of the fact that the narrative has been portrayed of us as black people as criminals is so easily believed by so many other people. So that's why that's one reason why they get away with it. But the fact that you don't present evidence to the grand jury or you don't show them or give them the option to indict the other two on murder charges, that's ridiculous. You want to give wanted endangerment to the one who uh, recklessly shot from the outside, which shows once again, a lack of training and a lack of ability to uh, operate in a chaotic situation. The police are there to defuse situations. That's what policemen are supposed to do. 
They're but if you look at videos and not that, exactly, they, they antagonize the situation. Yeah. If, if, if you are a human being and someone comes yelling at you, screaming at you, a thousand different, uh, you know, directives to do and cussing you out, calling you MFs and SOBs and all this kind of stuff, that's not necessary. No, it's that's not. That's unnecessary. Not. I agree you with can't, you. That, that only antagonizes. Did you look at the news recently? Um, one of the policemen involved, the one that got fired, he's trying to get money now, getting donation to support him during his time of retirement. Did you, you see that? Yes, and that's the thing is, the sad part about it is there are people out there that are going to support him in that cause. And, and that's horrible. The, the, the fact that you were uh, a participant, even though you weren't one of the ones that, that, uh, that was inside that, that you know, did the actions, you were a part of that. And you had a responsibility that you didn't uh, uphold. And people are going to, to attempt to help you out in this situation. Just like the young man uh, who killed the people uh, in, the, in the rally uh, with, with, the, with the assault rifle. Yeah. yeah, in Kenosha. I mean, people are raising money for this young man and saying, oh, it's acceptable. But first of all, at 17, you should have been at home. You, you should not have been there because you were not defending your property. But you wait, you wait, left Damien. the state to go defend somebody else's property. Damien, with that one, mm-hmm. his mother, I heard his mother drove him to the rally with the gun at the age of 17. Yes. So the mother is liable exactly. just as a guy. And I was reading, they exactly. already, they already have, uh, get $500,000 for him right now. Yeah, uh, they're, they're, people are putting the money out there, and they're 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 trying to defend this this young man. Um, but there, there's truly, and, and, and in your heart of hearts, and if you look deep inside, there's there's no defense for for what took place. Uh, it's a it's a bad situation. Um, I think he's a misguided young man because if you have a mom that drove you from there, so that means that there were some parenting issues. So you grew up with some some foolishness as as a, from uh, your small formative years all the way up until the age of 17. So uh, bad parenting, mom should be held accountable as well for what has taken place because she, she, if she had not transported, he wouldn't have never been there. So uh, definitely she has some culpability in in this situation. There's so many things that we can look at. Uh, you mentioned being, a, uh, you know, being able to carry a concealed weapon. Uh, we look at, um, I had his name on the, uh, on the tip of my tongue, uh, but he got killed and he had a concealed weapon. Uh, permit so uh, Philando Castile you, you you kill him and he has the right to carry that but now this uh, not only with the police but the NRA is always fighting about the second amendment rights why would they not come to the aid of Philando Castile because the second amendment rights that they're talking about they really don't want those to extend to us it's just for themselves uh, he had he was, a, he was a gun on him why is it that, it that it was okay for it's okay for the young man to go from uh, one uh, state to another and carry a gun, but Philando Castile gets killed with a permit that says I can carry a concealed weapon, but but he deserved it. Well, you know, we live in a crazy world, the, the black nation, the black tribe. From the day the blacks set foot in this United States, they're having a hard time, and they're going to keep having a hard time because they don't look at the black race as Anyone, you know, they look down to the black people and that have to mm-hmm. change. It have to change. You know, you know, when the black people went to war to fight for this country, what they get when they get back? Nothing. 
They gave their life nothing. for this country. They fight for this country. They get nothing in return. They don't recognize these people, the black folks. Mm-hmm. And the black exactly. folks is the background of this country. Slavery build this country. You know, the farm, the build, exactly. and everything. Nothing they get in return. Look at um, the Black Wall Street. Look what it did to the Black Wall Street. Just because a 17-year-old girl, she claimed that a 19-year-old boy sexually assaulted her. And they started that riot, burned the place down, killed a lot of people and kids and everything like that. That was terrible, man. That was terrible. Yeah. Anytime we've tried to progress ourselves, uh, and that's the funny thing is that, um, you know, you look at uh, some of the people that say, oh, get out there and do it for yourself. Stop living off the system. But the thing is, anytime we try to progress ourselves through history, they found a way to uh, basically derail the, the, you know, the efforts. Uh, so the the problem is that uh, you talked about earlier, you, you were saying how we, we just kind of get looked at and we talked about being criminals and the way we looked at it. Uh, and people want to deny systemic racism. But if you look at this, and I, and I spoke with someone else before on this particular subject, when you go back to slavery, to, uh, you know, Jim Crow, all through those times, you know, you had your, your, your KKK and they would put on their hoods and go do their midnight ride. The thing that would take place is that after they took those hoods off and they went back to their job the next day, those were the judges. Those were the teachers. Those were the, the police officers. Those were the lawyers. Those were the, the pastors. Those were people that were in authority that were out doing the midnight rides and killing black people. So if you have people in the system, governors and and and, uh, and things in, in the state that were doing uh, criminal activity against black people, all they're doing is they're just progressing and as they, as they uh, reproduce each generation, they're just putting that into them because that's why the KKK is still alive because one generation uh, begets another generation and that's systemic because the same people who are making the sentences uh, in these cases, whenever someone uh, goes before on trial, the same lawyers that are trying the cases are not, are, are in some cases not even trying to find the evidence to try the case. They're the ones that are, are descendants from that midnight rider. The problem is that if you have come there, there and, I, and I say this and I'm not trying to make it be like everybody thinks this way because, um, but if you're those that, that, that look at this, they say, yes, it's bad. What happened to George Floyd It's bad to happen to this. But if you're not saying anything, you're not, uh, you're not trying to move the needle, then you're still a part of the problem. Uh, to just say that it's a problem and never try to move it. And, and that's why I'm here speaking now. And anytime anybody asks me, ask me anything about it and they want to talk about it, I'm always open because my goal is to, I won't, I don't have to create the wave of, of change, but if my voice can be the ripple that just starts the wave of change, then, then I've done something. You know, I respect a person's opinion on anything they talk about. You might mm-hmm. not respect or like my opinion, I'm out, you know, but I have to respect your opinion and whenever you talk, like we talked, you mentioned earlier on, there's more than what black, one Black Life uh, movement out there that they're talking about. There's a guy in Atlanta. He put up a website and uh, try to get money, which he get a lot of money about Black mm-hmm. Life Matters. So he was arrested by the FBI for fraud and things like that because he wasn't using the money for anything like that to help the Black Life Matters. So he's... Mm-hmm. He's arrested right now. And there's another organization out in California 
they're doing the same thing, but they don't really say they're using it to help black life people. This was this uh-huh. is funded by some um, Chinese and thing like that, but they name it um, Black Life. You know, so okay. there's mm-hmm. two things right there now that is not the same. So if a person gonna donate to the Black Life Matter movement, they gotta be sure they're sending the donation to the correct place. Exactly. So exactly. And, and I saw that. something about different organizations like that. And that, the thing is that we have to realize that um, if people get offended when you say Black Lives Matter, they want to say All Lives Matter, and that and that and that's true. It's a true statement. Not because Black Lives Matter is a true statement. If you say Asian Lives Matter, it's a true statement. If you say Latino Lives Matter, it's a true statement. The thing is, and the reason why the Black Lives Matter movement or even the statement, the however you want to look at it, is alive is because we're the ones that are disproportionately being killed. I mean, the thing is that when we have, when, when whales are on the endangered species list, we had saved the whales. That didn't mean we didn't care about the rest of the, the animals in the sea, but we knew that those were the ones that were in trouble. Nobody ran around uh, when they said save the whales saying, no, all sea creatures matter. That was not the statement. It was, let's just save these whales. America needs to come to the point of saying, when we say Black Lives Matter, we're not saying anything to discredit or, or lessen the value of anybody else's life. It's saying that you have lessened the value of our lives by allowing us to be shot down, choked out, beaten in the streets, and nobody wants to uh, raise a hair about it. So when we say that, we're not discrediting you. We respect your life, and we respect the quality of your life. We, we put value on your life, but we need you to put value on our lives. I have, I have children, and I need you to put value on my children's life. I'm a black man. I need you to put value on my life. That's, what we're, that's all we're asking. Value my life like you value your children's life, like you value your own life. I agree with you 100%. But, you know, um, a lot of white folks are joining with the uh, black movement to Black Lives Matter. They march with mm-hmm. them, and they're trying to get justice and everything like that. They are just the criminal system to be changed because a white guy can commit the same crime as a black guy and a white guy he can get six months in jail while the black guy gets six years in jail for the same crime you know and that is not right they have to change exactly. the system it have to be changed like years ago a black man could not look at a white woman if he do they hang him they kill him but yeah, now yeah. they are married in the each, the black man to white and everything like that. So there's a change right there, you know, but this change takes a long time to come in effect. It does. It does. And, and that, that's the thing. But I, my thing as far as uh, us black people, we definitely have to hold to the hope of that. The hope of change, continue to fight and, and move forward because hope is what has kept us through all of our situations, through slavery, through Jim Crow. Jim Crow is nothing but but hope, uh, because you look at the, the there were there were black slaves that just held on to hope that we were going to be free one day. Some of them didn't make to see that, but they held on to that hope all the way to their grave, and it eventually happened. Even in Jim Crow, there were black people that held on to the hope that one day we were gonna, we were going to have a black president. A lot of them didn't get to see it, but some of them that held on to that hope, we eventually got to see that, and that's what we need to do at this generation at this time. Realize that. We have to hold on to the hope and we have to keep fighting a good fight. We have to stop cannibalizing each other and come together because no movement 
or no, nothing will take place if we're fighting against each other. We can't fall for that divide and conquer thing. We have to be able to, to unite. And, and, and it's not a, so much of a us against them because, you know, as you said, there's some white people that are in this, in this thing with us as well. Uh, but we have to realize that in order for us to create some change, we have to uh, do some things on our own, that coming together true. as one and working towards that. We, you know, we definitely do. You know, the black people, black people in a whole, they're not united. They're not united. Look at the Jews. No, we're not. Hitler tried to kill the Jews off, and the ones that, you know, he didn't kill, they come up, they unite as one. The black race mm -hmm. need to unite. And if they don't unite, things are not going to get better. I'm not against police. I'm not saying they're supposed to defund the police. I agree that they keep the police. You're going to have bad guys on all sides, white, brown, black, Asian, and everything. So we need police to control all these crimes, but they have to do mm -hmm. it in the right and proper way. You know, I'm, exactly. not, I'm, not, I'm not against them. I know it's a hard mm -hmm. job. They have a hard job to do, and it's dangerous. Yeah. But at the same time, mm -hmm. they have to get better training know how to deal yes. with the public in certain situations. That's what they need to do. Police need to walk, mm -hmm. beat more, walk through the community, laugh, joke, and talk with the people in the community. Get to know them. They get to know him. And we have a better thing than what we have right now. But driving around a squad car, they don't even say hi, hello, wave to, wave to someone in the neighborhood. You know, all those yep. got to be changed. Yes, it, it it is, and I'm, I'm definitely I'm with you. I'm not I'm not saying that uh, I'm not one that's hollering defund the police. I'm, I'm I'm not. What I'm saying is that we because what the funding may need to be redistributed into more of a training uh, and use some of the the money that may be used for things that are, uh, may be unnecessary and use the, the trained officers on how to defuse situations because apparently that's the part of training that's really missing because they never defuse situations. They're always antagonizing, making them worse because, and, and there needs to be uh, more of a screening process because it seems like the police are the ones that we generally get, the ones that you see that are the, the bad officers have a chip on their shoulder already. And the power is what has gone to their head. The, 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 you know, the saying absolute power corrupts absolutely fits definitely in that, in that situation because now they feel like I have this gun, I have this badge, I have absolute power, and everybody has to listen to me. <laughs> That's exactly what some of them do. You know, like I say, you have some guys out there, pretty cool. They're doing their job the mm -hmm. right and proper way. But there's others, there's others out there trying to let the good guys look bad. And mm -hmm. once you do bad in this precinct, it's like everyone in the precinct is bad. And that is not true. It, this is this is the thing that that needs to take place. And, and I and I, you know, having played sports and stuff, I, I understand coming together, having your teammates back, and things like that. But other police have to step to the forefront. And when you see bad policing, you have to call it out. You have to say, "Look, this is not right." You have to step in and stop it, no matter what the what the situation, no matter what the consequence, because. You look at the fact of, uh, now, if, if I'm a good, what well, we call it the good police or the good cop, and I see 
someone that's a bad cop doing something wrong. That's so if they're doing something wrong, they're basically doing something illegal. As a policeman, my job is to stop illegal activity. So if that's my job, then I don't care if they're wearing a badge or not. My job is to stop them, and I should stop that right there in, in, in the situation, the midst of the situation. But the the good cops or the ones who may not agree with it aren't stopping them. They're not stepping up. I okay, mean, you look scared. at uh, the... They're scared they come it. back at them. That's, what, that's all there is, man. That's all that whole is. fraternal order of the police, that part needs to be, hey, there's no such thing as blue lives. I'm sorry. There's not. I've never seen a blue person in my life. I'm not the oldest person, <laughs> but never seen a blue person. You you chose to wear that badge. You chose to put that uniform on, and you said that you were protect and serve. Your job to protect and serve is everybody in that community. Like you said, they should walk. They should walk around through the community, meet the people, get to know them. When you said I'll protect and serve, that didn't mean just certain color of folk. That meant everybody. So you can't cannibalize, or you can't, uh, you know, demonize us. And 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 all you're doing is eating up black people. And that, that's not right. It's not right. Now, do we have, is that some criminal activity? Yes. But is that criminal activity on the other side of the track? Yes. Because just like you have 90% of black-on-black crime, as they like to, to uh, quote it, you still have about 85% of, or more white-on-white crime. Because you commit crimes against people that are in your proximity. And, that's, that, and, and so it's not that we're just so over, overtly uh, you know, violent and things like that. The same things that happen in the black community happen in other places. Okay. It just happens to be that in most cases we're uh, in impoverished situations and the police seem to stake out our area because they are constantly trying to get that arrest. They're constantly trying, but it's because it's been bred into them to racially profile that black individual. That's yeah. the problem. We need to get rid of the racial profile and realize that criminals come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. And that if you are a criminal, it does not justify the use of excessive force. I don't care what you've done. I don't care if I resisted arrest. Once you've uh, uh, gotten that person uh, contained, then there's no need for additional force at that time. There's no need for a bullet. There's no need for a knee on the neck. There's no need for that. You have them contained. They can't do anything to you. They're in cuffs. There's no need for some of the things that have taken place uh, in this situation. I, I, I recall a story. Uh, I, it's been some years back where apparently, uh, which I didn't know was possible, that you could be in handcuffs, cuffed behind your back and shoot yourself. There was a young man in Arkansas that was cuffed in the back of the police car, and they claimed it as suicide, said that he snuck a gun in the car and shot himself. I Not going to happen, man. I heard he something with, like that uh, a while yeah. back. I don't know yeah, how you going to have a trained police officer. He's going to search you before you put you in the car. And how are exactly. you going to have your hand uncuffed behind your back and you're going to shoot yourself? I, I can't mm -hmm. figure that out. That is not something easy to figure out. But yep. the bottom line is with you, you believe in the Black Lives Matter, right? I definitely, definitely. Black Lives Matter. Because I'm a black man and my life matters. I have uh, black sons and their lives matter. I have a black father. His life matters. I have black uh, uncles and cousins. Their lives matter. I have a black sister, black daughter. I have black people in my, my family and their lives matter. And just like uh, the other side knows that their people's lives matter, my family's life matters. And we need to make this known across the country. We need to make this known across the world. 
that our life matters. How would we're, you feel? We're not just here to be taken up. I'm sorry? How would you feel if there's another movement started up like White Life Matters, Asian Life Matters? Would you think that's something really good, just like oh, they have Black Lives Matters? This is the thing is, I agree that they do matter, but what are you? What is your movement for? Nobody's fighting against your movement. Nobody's fighting against your lives. Nobody's taking your life. The, the people who are sworn to protect and serve you are not killing. You. So that's that's what's the, that that's a, a, a for basically technically it's a useless movement because you have nothing to move against. There's there's nothing that's that's pushing against you. There's nothing that's oppressing you, and that's what's taking place. Is we uh, this, this country has still found a way to be oppressive to black people. Yes, we freed you from slavery. Yes, we let you vote, but now we have to work and finagle some other ways that we can still oppress you. And as you said, from the moment that we stepped off of the first boat, we were never looked at as equal. We were looked at as property and as animals. Because if you look through the chronicles of history, anytime, just like when the, the Indians were here, the white people came over and what they call them, savages. Everybody that's not like them, they're listed as savage or animal-like. And so we have to realize that, that this is something that we're fighting against, uh, something that's been inbred for, for hundreds and thousands of years. So to deny the fact of systemic things is foolish because it's just like, when you, when you take a dog, if you try to breed, well, it's been over 20,000 years that the wolf has been uh, bred into what we have the house dog at this point. But there's still a prey drive, even in your little chihuahua, that if you throw a ball, he's going to chase after it. That's the prey drive that came from that wolf over 20,000 years ago. So what I'm saying is that the same uh, racist uh, thoughts are still in this country from the beginning of it. So we, we can't deny the fact that it's there. The the thing is that America is in denial of the fact that they raised, they fed, and they raised this baby called racism, and now it's coming to the head, and 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 you can't you can't deny it anymore. Um, Damien, we're gonna have more than one episode episode on this Black Lives Matter thing. We're gonna also look at okay. um, like Breonna Taylor, um, mm-hmm. George Floyd. And other things we can talk about okay. that, but I hope I can get you back another time to come back in this program, yep. and we can talk some more about Black Lives Matters and the ones that were being killed and how they're being killed and things like that. Y'all always welcome Definitely. to be on my podcast. I know time is a very important right. thing to you and me, so with that, I'm going to thank you very much, man, and um, I'll get back in touch with you later this afternoon. All right. Okay, definitely right, man. I, I appreciate it. Hey, thank you for uh, having me on your show. Hi, right, thank This is the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for taking the time out from your busy schedule to listen to my podcast. Please, please share the link with anyone you know. You can leave me a message right there on the site. If you'd like to be on my podcast, just leave me a message and a way I can contact you. So long until next week. Walk by faith.
and not by sight.